Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, good morning. Welcome to Starting Line Church. Um, If you are a kid, you can head back to the kids area if you want. Um, Now is the time, but if not, you can stay stay put in our service. Welcome to Starting Line Church. We are so glad you are here. Merry Christmas. Uh, My name is Al. I am one of the pastors here, and we are glad that you are with us today. We are one week away from Christmas Eve. I know that's kind of crazy. Like either some of you might be like really excited that like it's Christmas Eve in a week and Some of you might be like, oh my gosh, like I'm panicking of all there is to do. Regardless, we're glad that you have joined us in this Christmas season at Starting Line Church. Christmas time in the Christian church is so special because we get to celebrate um, the birth of Jesus, what is so foundational for what we believe. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called The First Gifts, um, where each week we've talked about kind of a different uh, gift that Jesus received from the wise men. We know it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what we've learned uh, throughout these couple weeks is that they weren't just like random gifts. They weren't just insignificant items. Each of these had really this great significance and pointed them to Jesus, to who Jesus was. They give us a clearer picture of God. And we talked about this the the first week. The reality is, like, we receive gifts a lot of times that say something about us, right? They say something about who we are. They say something about what we like. You give people gifts that represent them and make them, make you think of them whether they asked for it or not. Zach, the first week, talked about receiving Legos. Last week, I talked about receiving my fabulous ESPN game station. Okay, as you think of past Christmases, what have you received? What have you given? In Matthew 2, we read that Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. And uh, Mary and Joseph, they, they go to Bethlehem and they travel to Bethlehem because that is where Joseph was from. And they had to register there because there was a census going on at the time. And so once Jesus is born in Bethlehem, some wise men from the eastern lands come and they, they see this star that pointed to Jesus And we don't really know like a ton about them other than the fact that they were religious scholars. They were educated scientists, specifically in astronomy and astrology. They came from great wealth. They came from great power. And they weren't part of the Jewish religious system who was waiting for a Messiah. They were priests from a totally different religion. So they see this star and they confirm the news with King Herod about this Jesus in Jerusalem. And then they visited him, bringing him gifts to this new king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to give a quick recap here. In week one, Zach walked us through the first one, this, this idea of gold and how that relates to Jesus as our king. 
The gold that the wise men gave to Jesus pointed to the kingship of Jesus that he reigned over an eternal kingdom. Last week, we walked through uh, the gift of frankincense and how it relates to Jesus as our priest. It pointed to the fact that Jesus, fully human, is our representative before God to deal with our sin and steps in as our ultimate and eternal sacrifice. This week, we get to move into the last gift, which is myrrh. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, what the heck is myrrh anyway? Like, what, what even is this? Uh, one of my favorite shows is called The Middle, uh, that's starring the Heck family. And there is a episode uh, where Christmas, there, it's Christmas time, and the mom, she goes and she finds this huge bag of thank you notes underneath the, the now he's out of college, kid's uh, child's bed. And uh, she, that he didn't write when he was younger. She, she told him to write them or all these things, and he didn't write them. And so she makes him go back and write all these gifts, all the, or write all these thank you notes all these years later. And he gets into this banter with his brother Brick about it. And instead of describing it, I'm just going to show it to you. Here we go. So what is myrrh anyway, okay? What is myrrh? It's this, this oily sap uh, that comes from the bark of trees, and it makes everything kind of smell good. It purifies the air. However, it's like really bitter tasting. So it like smells good and tastes bad. For example, candles, like they smell really good, but you're not going to eat a candle. You're not going to taste a candle. Like it's kind of the same thing. We see the reality of this um, with myrrh in the book of Mark when Jesus, right, he's on the cross and he's reaching his point of taking his final breaths. And in Mark 15, 23, it says this. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Right? Myrrh is, is this substance here that is a, mixed with wine that they offer up to Jesus and it, and it tastes really bitter. And he doesn't want it. Today, myrrh a lot of times is used like in essential oils. In the Bible, it was typically used for perfume to make things smell better. And because of it, because of that, it was commonly, the most common purpose for it was to anoint bodies before placing them in a tomb. We see the example of this in John 19. After Jesus himself dies on the cross, Joseph and Nicodemus, they, they go and they bury him and they bring myrrh for his body. This is what it says in John 19. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jew Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb, never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus so we see this like really cool full circle moment with these three events that happen and they all use this symbol of myrrh, right? The wise men, they present this gift to Jesus at his birth. Decades later, Jesus receives a taste of it in the middle of his agony and his suffering right before he dies. And then after he dies, they embalm his body and anoint him with it as they place him in the tomb. So we look at these things and we see like, this is cool. Like God is in the details. 
but we see this beautiful revelation of how all of this is pointing to who Jesus is. If you remember from previous weeks, um, like we just talked about with the offices of Jesus as king and as priest, Jesus fulfills those roles differently than how humans did at the time, right? Like the kings and the priests at the time didn't fulfill those roles like Jesus does. Where there were kind of limitations in those roles as individuals because of their humanity, there are no limitations with Jesus, right? He is the divine king. He is the divine priest. And today we get to talk about him with what myrrh represents. And it's that Jesus is our prophet. Jesus is our prophet. The role of a prophet in the life of God's people was to serve as a spokesperson or a mediator for God. The prophet was, they were the mouthpiece of God, basically, to the people. They communicated God's will. They called out sin. They encouraged them in faithfulness to God. And they called them to repentance when they turned away from God. Where last week we talked about how the priests represented humanity to God. This week, a prophet represented God to people. So priests represented humanity to God. Prophets represented God to the people. And the Bible is filled with so many different prophets through so many different eras. The first of Israel's prophets was Moses, right, who gave people the law, led them through the 40-year journey in the wilderness. After him, God raised up more prophets and more people like Samuel and Nathan and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah. But as time went on, there came to be this expectation of a final prophet. And within the religious and social life of God's people, there were essential roles of a prophet that in some way, shape, or form foreshadowed Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of prophet. We see examples of that in so many places. In the book of Isaiah that we were talking about earlier, in Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah says this, All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Then in Isaiah 9, 6, he says this, For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. See, these were things that were said long before Jesus was born about this prophet that they were expecting, this prophet that was going to fulfill it all. Typically, the prophets of the Old Testament, like they spoke, right? They spoke to people on behalf of God. God gave them a message and they gave it to the people. But they obviously weren't God themselves, However, Jesus, right, is this ultimate fulfillment of a prophet because he is not just a prophet who speaks on behalf of God. He takes it to this whole new level because he is actually God in the flesh. Jesus fulfills the role of the prophet that he alone is the ultimate teacher who has the words of eternal life. He alone is the gateway to salvation. He alone is the living and breathing message of what God wants to communicate with his people. Jesus doesn't just communicate God's will like prophets typically did. He doesn't just relay messages that God wants to tell people. Jesus is the very word of God. 
and God's ultimate revelation of himself. So the difference between Jesus as prophet and all the other prophets is that he isn't just proclaiming the word of God, he is the living and breathing word of God. The word Emmanuel that we hear a lot at Christmas time means God is with us. And that's exactly what, what all of this is about. As our eternal prophet, Jesus being fully God is the reality and the miracle of God stepping down and coming to us. And not just coming to us like all the other prophets, not just saying, hey, so-and-so, give this message to the people. He says, I am going to step down myself in human form and then give my life for them. At the beginning, I talked about how myrrh right, was used to anoint and embalm um, bodies when they were placed in a tomb. And as we read, they did this exact thing with Jesus' body. And what's so interesting is that the gift of myrrh that was going to be used decades later after Jesus' death on the cross is what the wise man, men brought Jesus in his birth. And it's this foreshadowing that in his role as a prophet, he was God in the flesh, coming down to earth as a baby to bring the message of God, what the message of God had for the world. And that message was that God sent his son in order to save us. So what does this mean? What does the fact that Jesus is prophet mean? It means that Jesus was born to die so that we could live. Jesus was born to die so that we could live. The Christmas story in the Bible that some of us have heard a million different times, where Jesus right, is born in a stable in that little town of Bethlehem where shepherds and wise men and smelly animals came to visit him, that Christmas story is all about Christ's death and resurrection. We can't talk about Christmas without talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus that is coming later because it all goes together. The reality is Jesus, right, he's born in a stable to give his life for the world. So Jesus, as prophet, he's coming to us to bring this message of hope from God. And now it's taken to this whole new level because Jesus is God himself going, I, I'm, I am God coming to you. I don't need somebody else to do it. I'm coming to do it. Friends, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, New life is offered to those who believe and trust in Jesus as their Savior. We get to live with Christ and experience the fact that there is so much more to life on earth with him before that day. Right? Because of this good news, like we're free from the curse of sin, we're free from the curse of pain, Jesus has given us this pathway to God. And we get to be on that journey with him. That's such a promise that we have. 
But the problem is, is that we're not all living into that good news. There are those of us in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods that do not have the saving hope of Jesus to cling to. We talk to them every day. We pass them every day. We interact with them every day. And so instead of like being this example through our words and actions of what life with Jesus can be like, we go along with whatever the rest of the world is doing. Or maybe like you've said yes to Jesus before and at one time in your life, but now you're kind of running the other direction. Or maybe you're sitting here realizing and thinking, you know what? I'm not sure I've ever said yes to following Jesus before. And I don't, I don't have that hope, the saving hope of Jesus. The good news is you can change all those things this Christmas with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think back to the, the song at the beginning, We Three Kings, that played, if you forget, this is what it says about myrrh. Myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. Seems sad. Seems depressing. Seems hopeless. And the reality is, without the resurrection of Jesus, that would be the end of the story. That is the reality. Without the resurrection of Jesus. Which is why... Right, at Christmas, like, it's not just about the birth of Jesus. Like, we, that's great. We celebrate that. But we go, hey, it's not just about the birth of Jesus. It's about the resurrection of Jesus that's coming later that fulfills it all. And so the good news is, we know that's not how the story ends. We know it doesn't end with gloom and sadness and despair and hopelessness. Right, Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated the grave and sin forever. And this Christmas story is about God stepping down into a sinful and messed up world to give us the message that will, we will, the greatest message that we will ever receive. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. So wherever you are, wherever you are in this faith journey, Jesus sees you. He sees you. So my question for you is, how, how are you going to respond? Maybe it's saying yes to Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, woohoo, hallelujah, well, praise the Lord, okay? Maybe it's, it's, a, it's like a recommitment to Jesus. Like, hey, goodness, like it's this acknowledgement of like, I haven't really been living into my faith, but, but I, I want to. Or maybe it's this call to go and tell people about the saving hope of Jesus that you have that will change their life forever, but they don't have it yet. 
Because Jesus, he was born to die so that we could live. Hallelujah and amen. What a promise that is. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you, in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be like boastful about. But that you stepped down and took the form of a servant on behalf of us. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that as this fulfillment of the final prophet, you are God stepping down to this world to save us. We thank you for that truth. We thank you that at Christmas time, Lord, we can be so grateful and celebrate your birth because we know that your death and resurrection is coming. And that's the greatest news we will ever hear because it means that when we believe in that, we can live. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We pray that you would continue to speak to us throughout this Christmas season. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What we're going to do um, to, as a time of response, something that we do here is we, we love to respond in some way uh, to our message. We don't want to just walk out the door and forget everything. So um, two things that I want you to process through right now. Um, first one. If you, like, haven't said yes to Jesus and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, let, let one of us know at the end. Like, we want to walk through that with you. Um, there are people in this room, in this building today, that have said yes to Jesus at Starting Line Church, and we've gotten to, to see just how cool that is as they've, they've stepped into that. And so if that's you, come find one of us. Um, come find Zach or me or Jake. Second thing, um, there's a card on your seat. If you don't have one, there's some that we might need to pass around. But um, there's a card on your seat that just says, who am I like going to invite to Christmas Eve? And maybe that's like you're actually inviting them to Christmas Eve service. I hope you do. Uh, but maybe it's just someone that you're committing to talking to about your faith in these next couple months. Maybe it's some people that you're like, hey, I, I, I want to be confident and I want to be diligent in just talking about my faith to these people. This saving hope of Jesus that they don't have, but I do. So those are the two things I want you to process. One, do I need to say yes to Jesus? Uh, and two, who are the people that if I have said yes to Jesus, who do I want to invite to Christmas Eve or influence really in this next couple months. So let's take a couple minutes to do that uh, and then we'll go from there. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.